0: So here's the question. When the rules we've been operating by have burnt us out and the hamster wheel is keeping us awake at night and stuck, how do we, as expert entrepreneurs who want to make significant impact but just can't take on one more thing, grow our businesses and teams, double our revenue while working less? That's the question. This is The Business Habitat. I'm Sam Dean, your host, and this show explores the answers. Stay tuned and enjoy some brave conversations. Good afternoon, morning, or from wherever you are. Welcome back to Business Habitat. Today, I am super excited to have Harvey Penny on. Now, Harvey, I've seen Harvey's name a lot, you know, through my career, and I know that he has a very interesting one. And I think what he's going to bring to Business Habitat today is certainly his story around you know, shifting from a very traditional style of small business based on an expert business and in this stage, obviously an accounting firm, based on that hours for dollar mindset, let's put our money, you know, let's charge according to how many hours we do, et cetera, into a $2 million revenue, a reoccurring revenue. And as you know, here at Blueprint HQ and particularly through Business Habitat, we want experts to really work towards this because that's one of the reasons we burn out. Yes, it's great to have one part of your business completely on your face-to-face magic, but we have to get these other different streams in. And that's why one of the reasons why we have Harvey on today. Plus, he has a really good story as well. And one thing I do also like about Harvey is the purpose as to why he gets out of bed and he does what he does, particularly around changing and helping families in need while actually, you know, building businesses around A-class teams and actually by having that kind of purpose, actually attracting the right people, which is so important, I think, in what our industries are going through at the moment. So welcome, Harvey. Thank you so much for being here today. Can you just tell us in your own words, not mine, a little bit about yourself and and how you come to be here today?
1: Thank you, Sam. What an introduction! I wish I had you around all the time to introduce <laughs> me like that. It feels uh, wonderful. But um, yeah, my name is Harvey Penny. I'm an uh, accountant. Um, uh, 15 times best-selling author. Had the privilege of speaking at TEDx uh, twice, and uh, I'll I'm really about known. that later. <laughs> Yes, please. Looking forward to seeing you on the TEDx stage. Um, and in the county, in the context of call it professional services, I'm really well known for. Buying an accounting firm, it was like you mentioned. It was turning over sort of 200k revenue. We're a pretty typical timesheet-driven firm, just like all standard firms are and were at the time. And converted it into not just a two million dollar recurring revenue business, but more importantly, it, we went from sort of standard to stand out. And uh, in so doing, um, uh, we were able to make more of a, a difference, um, not just to our, ourselves as Counting for owners, but our team, uh, and also through to our community, which I'd love to talk about uh, giving back and how we can all uh, stand out by giving back. So yeah, thank you for having me here today, Sam.
0: I think I'm going to start there because I think the community thing and what I my belief is is that um, the business habitats we build for some people are their main communities, mm. but we also then live in communities that we affect. And I know that yours are very much about you know helping families in need. How important do you think that is, first of all, to be creating a safe space for people to come to in business, but then having that purpose out front and centre so people can really understand and connect that? How important was that, you think, in the in the growth of your, of your business?
1: Yeah, well, if we think about the idea of community, we are a group of like-minded and hopefully like-hearted people. And how we identify whether we attract to people of like mind and like heart is through our values, our philosophies, and ultimately our purpose. And you and I have spoken a number of times about this, Sam, whereby our values, our philosophy, and our purpose are like a magnet. And what's beautiful about magnets is they do two things. They attract people of like mind and like heart, which is amazing if we're trying to attract top talent to our professional services or our accounting firms. But the beautiful thing about magnets is they also detract And they push away people who don't align naturally with those values. And so the more confidence that we can have to live true to our values, to kind of show up in the market as this is exactly who I am, take it or leave it, is actually the most powerful way that we can attract those people to our community, team members, clients, prospective clients, partners. Uh, friends and collaborators, and also detract that those that don't fit as well. And I'm sure that's been your experience, Sam, as you've had the confidence to show up truly as you and nobody else.
0: Yes, and that's what, um, i tell you what, it's been a long journey for me. Um, I completely agree with that. I have done both. I have definitely put my true values and true personality and everything Assigned, thinking this is what I should be as a partner, as an accountant. And it's really interesting. I've got someone coming up in the podcast. And I just thought of her, Claudine. She's from Quebec, would you believe? She's a, a lecturer. Uh, sorry, she's a professor um, at the Quebec University. And she her thesis is and everything about the accounting industry and the, the changing organisational structures and the, the disruptive um, organisations that they need to become. And the definition of an accountant, the, the picture that we're putting out there still of a, is of this hardworking, burnt out individuals working 60 or 70 hours. And there's, she's done tens of thousands of interviews with people. And that's what, that's why I always like speaking to the, either the Canadians or Americans, because they've just got better data than us. And that's what's repelling people from our industry and I think that's what happened to me is that I was putting this that kind of thing up thinking I will attract that and I did I attracted a massive partnership in a great firm on traditional standards all of that sort of stuff but in the meantime it nearly killed me and when I started and then I go why can't I go and work with the people that I want to work because I couldn't attract them because I wasn't being True. Now, I didn't know any of those words back then. This wasn't my fault. It was just something that I'd never, it's taken me a long time for that word to come out, but it was true. And I'm not saying that people who are in those traditional, that might be just so authentic to you. That's okay. But you need to be authentic if you want to attract and the more, and it is so efficient to be authentic when it comes down to it. It is the scariest thing you'll ever do in life. And it will take time and you have to step out of it because you're chipping a whole lot of stuff away. I'm not there yet either, and I'm sure you're not. But it's also a really good, um, you know, sales funnel. It's kind of like, as you said, herding that I, I like to use the metaphor of, you know, when you're culling out sheep, <laughs> you're kind of doing that. And if we don't and we go through that old adage of, oh, everybody's a client type thing, you burn yourself out and you spend too much time in the sales end or you spend too much time in the why the hell am i working with these people end so i think it's really important i love the the magnet thing and you must have you know you're not all that old so you how did you come about this in the industry how did you kind of wake up to that when you've had probably traditional training and everything how did you actually get to that point you know and it didn't require a major burnout or maybe it did or break down as it did for me
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, they often say that a, uh, a great breakthrough is on the other side of a breakdown, and uh, perhaps our shared experience yes, is that. I wish
0: that wasn't true, but it is. Yeah, well,
1: that was definitely my experience, Sam. Um, uh, one day, I felt a lump. Uh, I felt a lump in a part of my body where us men uh, especially don't want to feel anything abnormal. Um, I was Thirty at the time, I had just bought, or our accounting firm had just been recognised as one of the top 100 companies in Australia. I was halfway through writing my first uh, book called Cashed Up. I had just met my now wife, and so in many ways, you know, I was at the peak of my life and career. And in that same moment, uh, my whole world fell down on top of itself because I was being blindsided by testicular cancer. And there was this moment that I had. One. It is, um, and it was this moment that I had on the, the operation table, right after they took away um, the the tumor, was this reconciliation that I had to do. Now I know us accountants we do that by trade, professionally often, but this was a life reconciliation, Sam. Whereby I, I thought, well, if this is the end of my life, 31 years old would I be happy with what I'm leaving behind? And the gift I want to give to everybody who's listening today is if today was the last day of your day, of your life, would you be happy with what you're leaving behind? And it's really a question of legacy. And what's interesting about legacy is we don't really get a choice as to whether we leave a legacy or not. It's just the difference between whether it's one that we're proud of. And so um, my wake-up call was on that operating table And although I lost a part of me that day, Sam also found a very valuable part of me, which was my why, why I'm on this planet, uh, why I get out of bed every morning, my my purpose, uh, which I now articulate as to change lives, uh, both my life, my families, uh, my clients, uh, my community, and ultimately the lives of people that I may never get to meet. And so, inevitably, in my case, it was cancer. Uh, for many people, going through the, the previous season of COVID for the last couple of years was the, the little breakdown that we've we've all had to collectively go through. But if we can uh, kind of take the gift that are these challenging times and use them to ask ourselves, well, why are we really here? Uh, for me, repositioning my canning firm around my purpose to change lives. Um, really helped it go from being seen as standard to stand out. You know, a simple example, it was called Inspire CA, which stands for Chartered Accountants, which, you know, in in general languages, it stands for boring. It's like, no, accountants, boring. (laughs) It does. (laughs) Um,
0: I'm a chartered accountant for 30 years. We're we're all uh, in it.
1: (laughs) And so I changed the name from Inspire CA to Inspire Life-Changing Accountants. And it came from this belief that we really change lives every single day. And the truth is, in all of our professions, should we look at it in this light, we all change lives. And so, you know, just something as uh, simple as how we position ourselves in the market around our name, as an example, or having the courage to, for example, say, you know, hi, my name is Harvey Penny. Uh, I'm, I'm an accountant, yes, but I'm a numbers person. I believe that family is number one you know just the ability to start with our why or our purpose or what drives us yeah. can really help us stand out to go from a standard you know classic accounting firm or classic professional services to a really stand out individual and a stand out practice
0: yeah and i so agree and it's so simple um and we sit here and and do that but um it's it's hard to do that as well because you have to be very internally driven there and i think that that's Um, one of the things that we are not equipped with, particularly as experts, but I think it's business owners, you know, it's always been my why to make sure that people, business owners don't compromise their personal goals for their business ones. And that we are one person and that we're all in here and the business actually rotates around us and we're the biggest asset. So that internal drive that you're talking about, that internal work, we've never been given the tools to do that because we're so externally trained. And I think it's interesting I have not met one person who's made significant change that hasn't been through some kind of trauma and big trauma. And it doesn't need to be car crashing or cancer. It can be, I think we also, in our in our industry, can I speak to my own experience, is that the trauma that we go every day, you know, not having mistake-free zones, having people who, you know, through no fault of their own can't communicate kindly, you know, email, the client demands that are going on, you know, at the moment and everything, the small T trauma builds to health issues, which we see a lot of. Um, and we're seeing a lot of that, particularly in my, you know, into the fifties men at the moment, I, you know, I said on stage the other day, women, we tend to leave <laughs> and get out. Whereas men stay and literally drop dead. And we're, we're having this mass thing at the moment. So, you know, having that shift at 30 must have been huge and I'm not discounting it at all. Like that's a shocking thing to have, but then to be able to wake up and now have this unbelievable runway and, and that kind of, you, you're right. Any one of us, it could be our last day. Like we do, all do the most riskiest thing in the world every day and that's drive a car. Um, and I love that. I do that now. I can honestly say if I went today, I'd be happy. no, about dying for sure not (laughs) but I'm okay like financially and everything yeah not so much but that's you know that's not what it's about it's my family's happy I'm okay I've told everyone I love them I love them today and you know all of that sort of stuff and that took a lot of work to get here and I'm okay I'm okay you know and it's, It took a long time to say that. Oh my god, i has got all emotional.
1: <laughs> Congratulations! It's a it's a beautiful gift to have reached that stage in life, and unfortunately, many people don't. I'm grateful, like you mentioned, to have discovered it early. Um, but the realization is that one day we will all die. <laughs> um, so if we can use this brilliant opportunity that we all have to use whatever time we have left to, you know, excuse the pun, inspire before we expire. Then we're all going to yeah. run much better businesses. We're going to run much better lives. We're going to have much better families because we're driven by purpose as opposed to, you know, the, the classic, which is driven by profits and you know sacrificing so much just to get that paycheck.
0: Yeah, and and I think what's really ironic and there's a many many research studies done by Stan, you know, the big ones. Har- um, I said <laughs> Harvard, Harvard, close um. enough. <laughs> I'll take <laughs> <Close> that. <enough. laughs> Harvard, and um, you know that purpose-driven businesses do make more profit. And then the other P that they're adding now, obviously, is planet as well, because you have to have all three. And I think for a long time, I've wrangled with, I can't seem to have profit without having have purpose and a great life without, you know. But then the profit suffers. That well, that's bullshit. And we can all work towards it. It is a quandary that we've been trained to have it that we have to sacrifice. good stuff and then that whole word retirement I think has given the baby boomers you know and gen x generations this thing oh well I will build up and then I'll do it that then I'll do it thing it's just got to go like you can do small things all the time and you can be passionate about your business and make lots of money and have a great purpose and you know, hopefully the next one, as I said, is, is the planet issue as well, because we've got to start looking after that because none of our conversations are going to be relevant if the planet blows up. <laughs>
1: like, <laughs> totally. Well, if, if I can just share a, a cool little story that's appropriate at yeah. that point. Mm-hmm. Often many people think that in order to do good or give back, we've got to, you know, write a big check to charity, which is yeah. totally appropriate and uh, and is a great thing to do where I found some of the quickest wins around realising that we lived up to this name of, of, of life-changing accountants or that we had made this shift from focusing on how much income we can make for our own selves as partners of an accounting firm to how much impact we can make on the people around us was how do we start articulating or calculating the impact that we're making on our clients just on the other side of the room? And, you know, if you think about it, as uh, you know, in any industry, if you wanted to stand out, you want to stand out because of the results that you generate for clients. So if I were a personal trainer, I would want to stand out for the amount of kilograms perhaps that my clients have lost. Or if I was a real estate agent, I would want to stand out for the total millions of dollars worth of uh, real estate or houses of property that I've sold. Or if I was an accounting firm owner, I would want to stand out for perhaps the tax savings that we've been able to generate for our clients. And that's the shift that we made in our practice, whereby we started calculating the the tax savings that we were making for our clients, all in the search for meaning in the work that we were doing. And we started documenting that meaning onto impact statements. And it was a simple little process where, you know, for Will and Bauer, we we documented that we saved them $32,000 in tax savings. We just simply asked them the question, Sam, you know, what difference is this going to make to your business and your family? And they said to us, we're going to reinvest this into the business to make a greater impact. Uh, We had another client here, uh, Jeff and Karen Nib. We saved them about $21,000 in tax savings. And they said they're going to put this towards a holiday in New Zealand and extra cash flow for the biz. Uh, Final example, Sam, Sam is this gentleman, Ray. Uh, We saved him $36,000 in tax savings. Uh, And can you see there what he said he was going to do with it? might be I, hard to read. He's,
0: something, uh, he said
1: he's uh, going to go on a it. bender. Typical um, so, Australian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, um, I know this gentleman quite even. well. It's my dad. He uh, was a client at, at yeah. the time, and um, I, I didn't go on said bender. Uh, but <laughs> even just by your reaction to these impact statements, you can see that for myself as an accounting firm owner, for our team members who were really moving the needle on, on, on giving this advice to our clients, the second that we connected them into the difference that they were making to their clients with all the work they were doing every single day, all of a sudden we found meaning in our work. And our work all of a sudden became more more uh, purposeful. It became more sustainable. And we didn't have to drive our team by you know pushing them to complete a timesheet. They, they were driven by passion to achieve more impact for their clients. I like that.
0: I love that. I love the simplicity of it. The- too because I feel that we all get stuck and we're both accountants we love a good um, software that does all the sexy stuff but it's too complicated I mean obviously this is audio but Harvey was just showing a a piece of it, basically a piece of paper I think it was actually framed but you know it says impact 32 grand and what they did with it it was that simple no big measurements no not even a Sexy spreadsheet. I'm sure you have one that might. I think if you've seen your website that actually, you know, tallies it up. But it's not complicated. It's just at the end of every tax plan, sit down and say, "This is what happened." And I have seen that as well. And I've done that. My work isn't. We we, we would do it with value of business and everything, but we we do add the little ones. And I've never actually thought to put that on an impact statement like that. You know, the one that really springs to mind is a guy that we worked with, my first family business client 15 years ago. He wanted to do base camp at um, Mount Everest and he was a control freak. So the actual business wasn't doing too badly. He certainly had the funds to do it, but he couldn't let it down. So we we worked with him, you know, on that and he did that. And then the other one was saving $40,000 so their kids could go to not to go to Harris Town, to go to Toowoomba Grammar, which ironically was where my kids ended up as well. But and we were able to do that through budgeting and cash flow and and saving it. So you know, because I haven't been tax accountant for a long time. But if, if if everybody can take one thing away from this podcast today, I think that's it. Sit down and say right now. I mean, the purpose to helping families and some of your bigger purposes take a little bit of time to get to, but you've got to love the impact you're making today. That's what I'm taking from that. And so what is the impact that I do for my clients? And every single one of that you, if you're a lawyer, a quantity surveyor, an accountant, you impact people's lives every day. You just need to get very clear on what that positive impact is. For lawyers, for instance, no matter where you are, it might just be safety. It might be knowing that if something goes wrong in the business, that that so you might not have those numbers that harvey had but you have the feeling ask your clients that's scary but ask it what is the feeling i give you and then that's your impact and then if you just put it up on a board a whiteboard and everyone everyone has to be able to see it and everyone knows you know that that's the case quantity surveyors it's i'm claiming the right amount of tax or i'm if it's cost planning it's some. you know, making sure your house is insured by the, right that brings impact to everybody. It's not that boring. And if we start doing that, maybe the market will actually see accountants and these boring professions in inverted commas for what they are, which is cash saving, protection, safety, and all of those things. So I've never seen it quite like that. And thank you so much because yeah, and make it simple, make it, that is so simple and easy and everyone can hook into it. This episode is brought to you by The Aligned Leader, a six-week program built to combat the leadership fatigue syndrome, so you can grow your business without the overwhelm.
1: Absolutely. Well, at the end of the day, if we look at our own consumer spending habits, what we pay for is the outcome. What we want is the certainty that we're going to get the product that we're paying for. We don't care about the process, which is why Uh, No professional services firm should be operating through timesheets because timesheets is all about the process. But what clients want to pay for from an accounting firm is the outcome. And uh, I take this uh, idea of we want to shift as accountants from being known for red tape to being known for results, where results stands for a really cool acronym of all the different ways that we accountants can change lives, where R is for increased revenue, E is for improved uh, equities, S is for surplus profits. Uh, U is for contributions to the UN Global Goals or or local charities. L is for uh, reduced liabilities. T is for tax savings, and S is for scaling cash flows. And so, the second, in our experience, we shifted from you know red tape, which is what all accountants are, are known for, to being known for the results that we're producing for our clients. We could then, and only then, increase the value proposition and the value perception of our fees and our services, and therefore increase the price that we could ask uh, for those respective services. So it wasn't just a a wishy-washy, lovey-dovey, good internal feeling. Uh, We were able to double, triple and quadruple our prices because we were far better at articulating the outcome of what our clients would get from us than the standard accounting. So there's a really strong commercial benefit to articulating our value in a more tangible way.
0: I think that's really important because so often, and I've seen it in the past, you know, it's, I mean, I still believe people should do timesheets from a job costing point of view, just to understand the systems and the processes or like you do, it's more of an information data gather. you should never, ever price on input like that. Um, You know, table people, manufacturers and everything don't. But the steps that you need to take to do that. Because quite often people will come in and there's a whole lot of influencers from the past who've said, get rid of timesheets. We can't go from where you are now to that without stepping through, because they are a safety mechanism. They are what we're used to. And I like that you just said, and you have to then have the skills because then you have to communicate. As you said, you have to increase your skills to communicate value. And you have to increase your skills to hook what you do to what the client values which means you need to talk more, you need to have better conversations, you need to do all that stuff. You can't go from hero to zero, zero to hero like that. And that's what I liked about you said. You stepped it through and you didn't go, oh, well, I'll go from here to here, you know, in a process, but you kind of always had what the client values in mind, you know, from the beginning. And it's really an important thing to do. We do need a skill set change on that. And they're just skills. We just, we can all learn them. and. But we have to have that that drive as well, because I think our lives depend on it. Yes, our profits depend on it for sure. But I think this that ability to, you know, find that joy and purpose in life and say what I do every day makes a difference. I think just you know humans are purpose driven. We have to have a purpose, and if we can do that, um, I mean, in our stuff, because I truly believe that tax accountants should be doing fucking really good tax. <laughs> and um, people you know, need to understand that that isn't lodging tax returns. That's a process. It's actually making you clear on what tax is, how much you're saving, or why you should be paying more tax, perhaps to protect stuff, what's important, and all of that sort of stuff. And we already have the technical skills for that. But we need those, you know, other, other skills as well. Um, and I think linking back to purpose will attract people back to the industry you know as well because who wouldn't want to get on that particularly with everything that's going on in the world right now
1: totally i I love the skill word that you um i'm not sure if you consciously said that multiple times during that piece but it's it's so true um we had a philosophy an internal philosophy within our accounting firm called um, uh, communication over calculation and as accountants you know how important you know calculation is but it emphasised this fact that it, just being a good professional accountant, just being good at tax, wasn't enough in order to stand out in this crowded market. We needed to be able to articulate or communicate uh, what we did uh, in, in such a way that a) our clients appreciate our value and therefore will pay for it, uh, but b) might you know respect us enough to implement the advice that we're that we're sharing with them uh, and suggesting. And so, it is a skill set. And I'm amazed that there's people like you out there that are teaching the professional services firms that very skill set, because if we want to stand out as the 1%, we've got to stop doing what the 9% to 9% have done for years. It's that simple.
0: It is. And I mean, my belief is this should be trained in university and it's still not. I mean, they're not even training zero and stuff in university, like, it's like, um, and I would love to speak to the universities about that. I'm quite happy to put my 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 mouth where it in front of people. I don't, I don't want to mouth off at them. I am trying to approach. But you know, I go back to my university career, uh, career thirty years ago, and we weren't taught this stuff. We had one communications thing, I think, and it certainly wasn't about talking. And you know, we weren't taught conversations and and stuff back there. I think back before you know, this is in the '90s. We were better at conversation as a population because you had to talk on phones and you had faxes and, and you know stuff like all that really big technology, <laughs> faxes and um, emails weren't invented. Um, computers were kind of there, but not. And um, I think we're better communicators naturally than anyhow, because we were forced to have conversations with people who want to find out stuff. Now we're, we don't have to do that and we don't have to get as curious because it, it's easy to Google and stuff like that, so we do need to put these skills back because we are going into these hard approach businesses. Everybody in the world is talking about it, but the skill sets aren't there. Now, I don't believe this is only unique for our businesses. I think it's across corporate, it's across everywhere. However, I'm passionate about professional services and experts doing expert stuff, and, and that's what we focus on because I had to do it myself. Like, you know, when I was kicked into advisory and everyone said, oh, do this business advisory, and I really wanted to change business owners' lives. It came very apparent that I couldn't communicate what that meant. So I, because I'd given up my tax base, what a piece of advice that was. That was a great advice, but a shit advice too, when you're in a big accounting firm. <laughs> you know, someone said to me, oh God, you don't know how to sell. And I just went, why on earth would I actually know how to sell? Because I've never had to, because tax is illegal if you don't do it. You know, well, I learned this stuff. I learned it the hard way. You know, I'm probably naturally a little bit more slanted to that, but um, it, it can be done. And it's really important that we learn how to communicate this stuff because otherwise people who don't have our expertise are going to be communicating it and they shouldn't. You know, that's where we are. So, you know, my community is the expert community. I want to see people, particularly in the 45s, the 55s, that older age group, not become relevant. And it's just a skill set change. We've learned skills before. We just, we can learn these ones again. So that's, that, was, that was my bang
1: on. I definitely had to learn that lesson uh, the hard way. Buying an accounting firm that was, you know, timesheet based as a business model, I could see the ceiling. And as an entrepreneur and as an investor into this business, I wanted to find a way to get a, a, a maximum ROI on the business model. And it came from this internal shift and in realisation that we don't sell hours. Uh, we sell our expertise. We sell what we know. Uh, in fact, we're actually in the intellectual property selling business, not the labor for hire business. And so our business model is that we should be rewarded for for how smart we are and the value we add, uh, not the time that it took. Um, practical example, I'm pursuing a personal goal to become a doctor and studying at uh, university, studying medicine. And that's a 10-year journey. Uh, but if it took me 10 years to learn how to do a task in 30 minutes, respectfully, you're going to pay for the years, not the minutes. And so the shift from, you know a business model based on timesheets to a business model based on expertise and, and value, step one had to come from this internal switch that we're not in the labor for hire business but we're in the intellectual property selling business
0: i think that 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 shift that mindset shift is the almost the the linchpin isn't it it's kind of the the first um, turn of the wheel as you know jim collins would say that shift from labor hire to you know just to use your words there what do you think because this this shift, I would have thought would have happened a long time ago, and it's very rare you actually hear i think I think people understand now that we've got to do it it's just a how, which you know both of us are obviously want to help with as well, but it's how also how do you do that shift when you're so busy doing. You know everything else that is required to run run practices or businesses and everything else. And I think that's the biggest one of the blocks as well. You, you fundamentally, I think most people fundamentally know that the business rule is wrong, but it's like, well, that's all very nice and good, but how on earth do I change that when I can't get stuff and I'm burnt out um, and all this sort of stuff? And you and I both know that you've got to come backwards to go forwards, but that's really hard when you don't have the trigger events that force you to do that in a way
1: (laughs) totally well maybe this is the trigger event listening to this episode listening to your experiences and my experiences and you know unfortunately we've had the really uh physically challenging trigger events and i don't wish cancer upon anybody (laughs) um and and i don't
0: consider you know breakdowns a good thing either
1: (laughs) (laughs) absolutely so we we do have these wake-up calls around us every day but it's at what point are we just going to kind of use that as our impetus to change that's why i take my head off uh to to you for not only going through that journey personally but having the courage and the platform for example of this podcast to share you know inspiring stories of others and more importantly your own about how that that linchpin was found and how that uh uh, switch was flicked in order to go from you know standard to stand out or the old way to the new way or you know one that a business that costs us a personal life to one that um, you know compounds and, and magnifies our personal life. So well done to you.
0: Thank you so much. I, I don't think I've heard it said as nicely. <laughs> I'm going to have to use that. Anyhow, let's. I just want to also talk about the books that you guys have, and there's a couple coming out. Plus, I think what Harvey offers, and I also you know wrangle with my own book, but I also think it's a really good way to um start scaling and thinking about it i am trying to write a book i've written you know a couple of shorter versions and one in particular has actually given me a whole lot of joy it it hasn't probably or will never be published but it might be but it it really helped but it gave me that ability of saying hang on i can write i can be an author i've certainly had some ebooks published around you know advisory and stuff like that but you know, this is more important. And I know that you work with accountants on helping them get that standout book. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Because I think that is a one way. Um, there's many ways and you've got to find your own way, but that is one way you can start this this journey and and certainly writing stuff can actually help as well.
1: Totally. Well, as a concept, I believe that anybody who's in the expertise uh, business might benefit from thinking of themselves as intellectual property developers. And yeah. Let me give you the bigger picture context. If you watch the news and if you turn it on at the moment, it might look like the world is ending. Maybe it is. I, I don't know. But what I do know is even if 50% of it is true, it's going to get really, really hard to, stel- to sell stuff really soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why nowadays I've sold my accounting firm and I work with other accounting firm owners, experts, to turn their intellectual property into books and videos. And why we do that is because nothing sells you like a book. So, um, you know, I've published 15 books now um, because they're part of my legacy. They're my way to make an impact on the world uh, around me. And the truth is, let's take you uh, as a case, uh, case study or as an example, Sam. Um, The amount of intellectual property that you've got built up in your own head, in your brain, is incredible. (laughs) It
0: is, and sometimes a little overwhelming, but yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) As is all of the intellectual property that is in the brains of experts, regardless of our industries. And the challenge I found with that as an accountant uh, when I first went into public practice was that as long as the intellectual property was buried in my head, it, it wasn't very scalable. People would take me out for coffee and even shout me that coffee because they wanted to, quote, unquote, pick my brain. Yeah, And that's not, not a very scalable business model. And so uh, I realized that there's only so many hours in the day that I could have my said brain picked, <laughs> um, which doesn't even sound like a nice process, by the way. It doesn't. Um, <laughs> or... Uh, as experts, I could translate that intellectual property into a more tangible, scalable format. So that's why I fell in love with books, because I turned the intellectual property that was buried inside of my head into a more tangible, scalable format, which is just 30,000 words on paper. And now that I had this asset, I could realize that there's only so many meetings that I could have, so many Uh, times that my brain could be picked so many long lunches or coffees or sales conversations that could be had but there's no limit to how many books that I could either sell or or give away and so if you boil it down a book is simply 30,000 words Um, it took me about three years and $30,000 to write my first book cashed up so it wasn't an easy process um, by any means but you mentioned this idea that sometimes we're gonna take a step backwards before we can move forwards. Uh, taking the time to, you know, mine the gold that sits inside of all of all experts, heads and hearts, into more tangible formats, whether that be a book, whether that be a video, whether that be a, a podcast that you host or a podcast that you're an interviewee on, uh, whether that be, you know, an ebook that you write or a PDF, any form of documenting the intellectual property that we uh, us, we have buried in our heads into more tangible formats, uh, A, positions us as the experts and the authorities that we are, but more importantly, B, gives us more time because um, you, know, you can give away lots of books, you can have lots of people watching the videos, and that doesn't take any additional partner or expert time. So that was my rationale as to why I overcame those initial hurdles and fear factors of becoming an author because it really helped me to scale my time.
0: I think, I think, yeah, that's, that's so important. And that's one of the reasons I do my format is obviously a podcast because I can sit and talk all day, as most people know, um, (laughs) whereas sitting down and writing is super uncomfortable for me. So we're developing, taking some of that content and IP as, as you said, and developing it and certainly in my podcast in its early days is known for its content and now, now we're starting to leverage off that content so it's evergreen it's not lost and sometimes you know you know some people look at us and go oh my god you've got so much content um and it is a problem but it's a really good problem <laughs> as opposed to a few years ago when it was like holy hell nothing's out of my head and it's it's such a big business risk too It is such a big business risk in all of these businesses because every single expert out there has a different lived experience around their expertise. So everybody, all of you guys listening and girls need to know that you've got a uniqueness that you need to get out there that will attract them the people who are specifically attracted to that around your expertise. Your lived experience gives your expertise a nuance that only you have. And that's why it's important to write. And they don't have to be a 30,000 book. It could be, as you said, really good little books, PDFs, anything. Start small, 300 words. And if you can't do 300 words, Word has this amazing little thing up in its corner called Dictaphone, Dictate. I didn't find that out until one of my sons told me. I mean, my God, changed my life. Slow your speech down a little bit, though. And then... 300 words come out and then give it to somebody else to edit. Like, there's ways and means around that. And there's all still something about books, I think. I think, even, and what I have learned, I have worked with people who have books that I don't think are particularly good to read, but I read five, six, seven books a week. Like, you know, I'm just love reading. Complete maniac when it comes to that. But however, they actually don't need to be because we we're not there to write great literature. We're there to give you information. So if there's a difference between being a you know a literature author or a literature. Uh, you know, some I was talking to someone else on my podcast about this and getting our stuff out. So don't worry about it. You're not going to be the next Brene Brown or, or anything like that. I want to be the next Brene Brown, but you know it's long lived. <laughs> um, but these are really good factual books and there are people who can help you make them really palatable for other people to read. And remember you're not reading a book. Somebody else is. So don't judge yourself. Because I spent a whole lot of time in judgment around my my writing. So um you know throw that out. You know, it's a good thing.
1: It's uh I think courage is the key th- one of the key things we've spoken about today, the courage to, you know, stand out in the market, this courage to start with our why. And in the context of becoming an author, it's the courage of putting yourself or your ideas out there. Um around which they can be, you know, viewed and perceived and tormented or teased or, or, um, people could have judgments on. Uh, and that's scary. Um, and I, we all have to overcome that as expertise or experts, uh, in the field. Um, I do want to reinforce this idea that, um, a book is only 30,000 words. And, um, if we've ever written an email that's 500 words, then really it's a collection of just 60 of those emails. Or if you've ever written a blog or filmed a a video or uh, this interview itself when transcribed would probably end up becoming two to three to five thousand uh, of those magical 30,000 words. Uh, In your case, you could simply transcribe all of these uh, expert interviews. How many podcast episodes have you done uh, to date, Sam? I'm 120 now. 120. So you've got a 120 chapter book, uh, which is a culmination of all the inspiring stories of those who have appeared on this podcast. Uh, you would have your content in the introduction and conclusion. And we've just translated the format, an existing format, which you said you're, you're great at audio. And we translated that into a different, uh, d- different asset, different format being a, a more tangible you know, book. Uh, that has your your name on the cover. So, uh, as experts, we're producing intellectual property. We're, we're producing volumes of of intellectual property all the time. Um, but be aware that uh, all uh, all intellectual property lives on a scale from intangible to to, to more more tangible. And so if we can realize that we're actually sitting on a mountain of value with you know, podcast episodes that we've either hosted or, or or been interviewed on, the emails we've sent, the blogs we've written, the videos we've produced, all of that translated into a different format can really help us stand out as the experts that we actually already are. Uh, these books and these assets are simply just communication tools, um, or as I described it, a, a business card on steroids. And I believe every, every expert should have one.
0: I agree. I agree. And um... <laughs> Bugger it! I'm going to have to go and do that book, can't I? <laughs> you just said. I could hear the
1: hesitation. I agree, <laughs> and the commitment that that statement uh, and that was there. That bar- through my body,
0: and it's just like, okay, that's why we're having this podcast today. You so heard it, here, to hear everybody.
1: Here again. is your accountability. <laughs> oh my god! And I
0: just said it to everybody out there as well. Okay, I'm yeah. Um, we're going to get that done. We are Good I'm going job. to commit to it right now, and. Um, Actually, Esther's back today. My business partner's back today. Obviously, when this drops, it's it's completely irrelevant. She's been on my butt for quite a while on <laughs> that one. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. So, and this is the thing. It's, it's, you know, people, someone, I was speaking on stage last week and someone came up to me and said, I could never have your courage. And I went, yeah, you can. And sometimes what you do with courage, courage is such a big thing. And I am fearful of doing a book, but I know when I lean into it, that the magic on the other side is is going to be worthwhile, even if that doesn't, you know, the, and the success of writing a book, my understanding is actually writing the book. It's not whether it, once it gets out into the market, it's not up to you anymore. It's kind of like, is it ready or, or do whatever? And it is evergreen. Some of the books that you see in the bestsellers right now were written five, 10 years ago. Like it took them that long to get them published in a public forum, all of that sort of stuff. And you know what? The world is ready for more business books. And particularly business books written by women as well. Like if you Google the best business, you know, books written by women, Oprah Winfrey and Brené Brown come up. Neither of those people put themselves out as they're astute business women. There's no doubt about that. But what they write is not hardcore business. So it's it's really it's it's really interesting things. And the more we get out there as experts, I think the better it is, and it becomes a and it is a good calling card, and it gives you that credibility straight up. And as I said, it doesn't matter if it's not. The, um, the next war and peace, or that's a terrible book. I don't know why people always talk
1: about this. It is. And it, it, is, it is 100% credibility. But there's also a commercial basis, so this key idea that income comes from assets. So, you know, for example, Sam, you might own a, a property, which is the asset, and you lease it out and get rental income, or um, I might own company stock, which is the asset, and, and might receive uh, uh, dividends as, as the income. Um, owning the asset, the property or, or the stock in this example, um, is our way to, to collect that income. And these are financial assets we're talking about. But in the in the case of growing our professional services or our expertise-based businesses, such as an accounting firm, the, the level of leads that we get, the level of inbound inquiries, the level of uh, high-quality A-class team members who who want to work with and for us, We need marketing assets. We need ways to communicate the value of what we do. That's why videos, webinars, checklists, PDFs, and, of course, books, they're all examples of of these assets. And they educate people, they they motivate people, and enable people to develop trust with you in a really scalable way. Because, you know, Sam, someone might spend three or four hours of their time watching your episodes or listening to the episodes on this podcast and have you ever had the experience where they've said, oh, Sam, I know you, I've been listening to the podcast, I've been following you for years, I've been reading your blogs and 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 they arrive pre-sold.
0: And they do, and that exactly happened last week. And I tell you what, anyone who else listens, it made my day. In fact, I think it made my year. Someone came up and said, I've been listening to your podcast, it's amazing, thank you for doing it. And I just went, like I didn't know who this person was and I just went it's beautiful. Also it takes time. Like, you know, we've been doing the podcast now for nearly three years. In fact, it's three years in November and that, like when I started it, like as, and when you write a book, it's the same, I'm going to assume it's, it's it, you've got to give it legs and give it time as well. And it is an art and a skill that you get better at. If I listen to the podcast now, I can actually listen to my podcast now. Like at the beginning I did it, it's terrible. It's like the actors who can't look at themselves on screen. Now I can actually listen to it without listening to me. So it's just, I mean, I listen to me, but it, it, it's kind of like, you know, and then I can get more skilled at it and and better. Oh, I should have done this. I should have done that. And I've got my first international off that. I'm actually speaking on someone else's podcast in America on you know, who has a much bigger. Because I asked her, um, I had her on my um, a recent podcast, and she said, "You're a really good interviewer." You know why? I said, "Well, how do I how do I do this more?" She said, "Well, come on mine." And I looked her up and went, "Holy shit!" <laughs> because that that's courage. It's just you get it builds, it's a muscle. And I don't consider it courage anymore. I consider it my authentic self. But right at the beginning, it was literally take a breath and just lean in and off you go. And it's like when you first approach clients, it's like when you first had that conversation, your clients do not know that that's the first time that you might ask them for more value or ask them for that it's just keep going. People, people don't know this. And sometimes it, you, only, you only learn in, the, in those areas and you might think you make mistakes, but most people don't even know that. So um, it's such an interesting thing. And I think books are the same. And I love the asset thing. We've got to start thinking about what comes out of our mouth and everything else as assets. And it is much more efficient, as you said, to say, when you come and work with me, here's my book, have a read of it. And then they, they're picking your brain then. And it's not, because we give so much away all the time. We have a whole training program about how to stop talented people giving all this shit away. And I hadn't ever, thank you for the that. That's my learning today is, oh, let's talk to Harvey about actually getting that in a book or something like that, or in a blog or whatever, and say, before you turn up to the meeting, read this, or hear my blogs, read this, or go and listen to this podcast or whatever it is. And then, because one of our values is curiosity. So, if someone turns up into a job interview and they haven't listened to the podcast, they're not going any further because, again, they weren't even curious about us. So, why would we give them a job? So, um, you know, stuff like that, it's important. So, yeah. And it's, it's a good way for us to stop giving away stuff for free as well.
1: Absolutely. And I think you've learned this experience well, Sam, perhaps the hard way is that we've got two choices. We can either work our asses off in order to get the outcome that we're after um, or we can work our assets off and yes it takes time um, to produce those assets initially um, but I love this idea that we do the work once and then we let the work do the work so you know it was hard to write the book yeah but now the book works for me Uh, it's hard to produce this podcast uh, but now, for example, Sam, um, do you have any idea of how many people have listened to the podcast, how uh, many downloads, or what your audience uh, or, or views are like?
0: Yeah, we're way into the five, um, nearly six Incredible.
1: years now. So, you know, you could never respectfully get onto a stage and get in front of
0: yeah, that good, many people yeah, at any given time. Yeah.
1: And it didn't take you any additional time to do that. <laughs>
0: no, and a lot of the new listens are coming to the older staff. The stuff that really didn't have any impact. I remember Kelly Roach, who's someone who's in the states, who just got top five, top one hundred fastest growing at Forbes. She said that she's eight years into her podcast, and she said the first year, you know, and when she first put it out, she, she talked to no one. <laughs> she got about three, and now she's top. I think she's on the Apple's list for like top eight marketing or something like that. And she just said, just it's does takes time and those numbers accumulate and it's compounding and even if they're small numbers and the key to podcasts of course is quality over quantity so it's what that podcast is doing and it's definitely getting me direct clients but it's also building that IP as you said and it's bringing these wealth of other people's IP into here as well and to talk about that within our expertise too which is something I'm extremely proud of. Anyhow we have gone for quite a while so i'm thinking we roll it up there because can you just say that again the assets thing again i want to leave on that note
1: uh, is that the working your ass off <laughs> i just wanted... yeah i believe we've got two choices uh we can either work our asses off um, or we can work our assets off <laughs> um, and if we put the time or invest the time into creating those assets it is doing the work um, but over time, that we can let the work do the work. Yep. And you have amazing scenarios where people show up and they said they're ready to buy because they've read your book, they've listened to your podcast, they watched your TED talk, they've uh, been following you on social media, they've been consuming your videos, downloading your podcast, listening to uh, your uh, interviews and your keynotes, and um, they're just simply ready to buy. It's an amazing feeling. It
0: is an amazing feeling. So on that, I hope we inspired you all. Thank you so much, Harvey, for the super interesting conversation. And everybody else, be brave and continue the conversation. Thank you so much for your time. We work super hard on this podcast and are passionate about helping expert entrepreneurs build businesses without overwhelm. To help us, can you please leave a review if you loved it on Apple Podcasts or your favourite podcast platform?